welcome to Geek Speak Sidekick, your companion to Australia's number one award-winning geek pop culture podcast, Geek Speak Live. I'm your host, the geek of all trades, Steve Muller. And I'm Geek Speak's boy wonder, Brendan. And boy. <laughs> it's happened again. Oh. <laughs> the gods are with us. I made mention of this last issue. We made mention of it several issues because it yeah, keeps happening. Every time we seem to record... Something has just broken only yep. hours before. And it's not just wind. And <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> but this time it's not about Batman or Superman. No. So I think we just cover this breaking news in What's been happening? Uh no. News broke just only hours ago. Well, 12 months ago, it could have very well been about Batman. It, well, yes, because <laughs> what what we're leading to is to do with an actor that you wanted as Batman. Who was w- in the mix for Batman. Well, was he in the mix? No, apparently or he was. was apparently, they appro- apparently they approached him. All right, well, who we're talking about is Mr. Josh Brolin. Yes. He has been cast as the big bad himself of the Avengers universe. Thanos. He has. Well, his voice has been cast. His voice has been cast. Uh, the character itself was played by Damien Poitier at the in the post-credits scene of, of the Avengers. Of yeah. the Avengers. Um, Damien Poitier, he's a bit of a weed and regular. Mm-hmm. So when Joss needed someone uh, to fill the role, got in Damien. Yep. And he, he never spoke, did he? I don't think so. I think he, it was more like a sort of a he, he just did the kind glance. of a cackle. He, he did the um the motion capture. Yeah, and they you know lay him over with CGI. Josh Brolin being cast as the voice, mm. which makes me wonder who is actually playing the character. Is he going to be completely CGI? Will they still have Damien Poitier do the motion, motion capture? capture? I mean, Brolin's got the the that kind of shaped head. And <laughs> I'm not in a negative, you know, but he's got a very pronounced chin oh, yeah. and, and, and head. Yeah, but it's uh, leading up to, because Guardians of the Galaxy is only a couple of months away. Mm-hmm. Apparently, and I was expecting him to appear in this. Yeah. That's why I always thought Thanos would be the uh, big bad of Avengers 2. Well, everybody, given the post-credit sequence, how could given you not Given the post-credit think that? scene and knowing that there was going to be Thor 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy, you could lead in all the um, the Infinity Gem type of stuff, which yep. they have been. Mm-hmm. They're kind of going in a different direction with the Infinity Gems. Uh, the, the Aether from yes. Thor 2, that is one type of gem, if you will. Uh, what was the... I think Extremis has been even an, was kind of rumored to be one mm-hmm. because of the the effect it has, it has on people. Yep. So he does apparently appear in Guardians of the Galaxy, but in a smaller role that he will even appear in Age of Ultron. Okay, so it's building. They're building, and so what we can expect is he will be the villain of Avengers Three. Yeah. They'll probably throw in Infinity somewhere in the title of that. Yeah. But no, just hours ago, Josh Brolin. Again, uh, it was a... Well, coming into another casting announcement we're about to get into. Mm-hmm. Both of them were initially reported by Latino Review. Yeah. Which I've always seen as when they say something, it pretty much comes true. But I know, it's one of those weird news sources where... It's like Latino Review, really? It's but then when they, get, they have like, broken just so many like, big stories. Yeah, to me, whenever I hear Latino Review, I think it's just going to be rumor. But they're the ones who keep yeah, breaking this I, stuff. I, it's it's very bizarre because I I saw it pop up this morning, and then I looked again, 
at another story that was about, you know, two articles down on my newsfeed. And then it said, no, it's been confirmed by Latino Review and Variety. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, this is real. Well, when I first saw it, it was a Bleeding Cool article. It yep. didn't mention Variety, only mentioned Latino Review. And I was mm-hmm. mm, okay. But then I found the Variety one. And it's usually once Variety reporting it, yeah. it's a go. Well, I mean, Latino Review, I think I've said this before, their, their biggest get, their most famous for breaking the story that Heath Ledger was yeah. cast as the Joker. And they were the first ones to report it, and the name came out of nowhere, and then Warner Brothers confirmed it. Well, another one that they reported the other night, that to me the name seemed to come out of nowhere as well, Mm -hmm. was we have our Matt Murdock. We do. We have our Daredevil. Taking up the red horn suit is Mr. Charlie Cox. Yes. Uh, Geeks may remember him as the lead role, well, the lead male role Mm -hmm. from... Stardust. He's, is he in Boardwalk Empire as well? Am he I was in season person? three, I believe, of Boardwalk Empire. Okay. But I've I've only seen the later season of Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Never really got into it. No. But I love Stardust, based yep. on Neil Gaiman's book. Phenomenal film. Have you I, seen it? I haven't seen it, no. You, it was one of those ones I always wanted to see. Give me a geek card. Give me, <laughs> give me the card. No. Give, give me the card. Because I've seen stuff that you haven't, and we'll get to that. <laughs> but uh, no, it's one of those ones where when I first heard about it, I wanted to see it, saw the trailers, wanted to see it, came out in the movies, wanted to see it, just never got around to it. <laughs> it's one of those things I keep going, oh, I should probably watch that. I've just never gotten around to great it. Great movie, great cast. You have, yes, obviously, Charlie Cox, mm-hmm. uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, yep. Claire Danes, De Niro. Mark Strong. I'm pretty sure De Niro was pretty in it. pretty sure I'm, De Niro's in it too. Yeah. My mind is blanking on that, but Mark Strong, that's when I fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. He was brilliant in that. Great uh, comedy in it, all the fantasy elements. I reckon you'd really enjoy it. You okay. need to watch it. When you do, we'll do a retro review on it. <laughs> yes, something from 2009 will class as retro. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we have our Daredevil. Awesome. So it looks like it's going ahead with its, I think they said, 13-episode season. So now that they've at least cast him, hopefully mm. we'll start getting some more casting and they'll get to shooting the pipe. Well, actually, no, they go in the Netflix model. So it's everything's going to be, yeah, they're going to shoot the whole thing, which is. <laughs> Can't wait. Giggity. Uh, <laughs> and other news that broke, uh, was it just yesterday or the day before? What's this? Stargate. Oh, yeah, no, I saw that. Posted that on the page yesterday. Yeah. Roland Emmerich is apparently returning mm-hmm. to the Stargate universe mm-hmm. to direct a reboot, if you yeah. will, of the film. And I'm pretty sure it's for a different company, too. I didn't see the that. The original one was, I want to say, Universal. Mm. Um, I think this is for like Warner Brothers. Mm. I read something yesterday. But apparently, and 20th Century Fox have the TV show. Oh, so it's all over the shop. Mm. But it looks like it could be even the first of a planned trilogy. trilogy. Yeah. So that'll be really cool because I loved the original Stargate film. Okay. Loved SG-1. Didn't watch the entire series. Watched a bit of Atlantis. Well, you, know, you, you know what this is talking about, so I can't comment. Oh, yeah, sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I've always had... I loved uh, especially Egyptian mythology. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing with Stargate. And as the series went on, you even brought in the Norse gods and um, all, all the other gods. So I've, I feel like I need to go back and watch it from the beginning okay. and watch it all because mm-hmm. of those ties of sci-fi to Egyptian mythology. Yep. But I'm really looking forward to a planned you know, reboot of the film, bring it in for a new generation, do so much more, like think of the special effects and the CGI and everything they can do now. And I don't know, you know, will they maybe switch up the story a bit? Will they change elements or will it just kind of be a 
a kind of retelling, but in a new way. Okay. Actually, speaking of sci-fi for two seconds, mm. last issue, mm. you told me, we were talking about me watching Star Wars. Oh, yes. And you and told, I told me you to, to do stop the, where I was. Yeah, do the machete, machete viewing. Cut, go yep. back and watch episodes two and three as the, as the, the flashback. Uh, yep. And then watch um, Jedi. Yes. Um, I Since then, I have watched episode two. I haven't had now, a chance to watch episode three yet. Now, you said you'd seen episode two see episode years two ago at the cinema. At the cinema, yeah. And I, I kind of enjoyed it. I Again, I hadn't seen any of the originals at this stage. Mm. Um, I don't know. I watched it and I kind of got a bit bored with it. I found myself <laughs> checking my phone a lot. you know, And I didn't do that when, whilst watching you know, episodes four and five. Yep. I'd also forgotten that. Is it because maybe you've seen it before? Like well, that's the thing. It was like watching a new movie because I haven't. Dude, it was like 12 years ago. Mm. I, I couldn't remember anything about it, really. Yeah. The only thing I can remember about it was Yoda cutting sick with a lightsaber at the end. <laughs> that was it. Uh, against Scaramanga. And the Bond fans will get that reference. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one thing I did forget watching it is that these movies were filmed in Australia. Yes. And you know how I know it was filmed in Australia? Because there's so many Aussie cast <laughs> oh, members The first in it? person I think who speaks in that movie is Jay Gaia. Yep. And then like, Rose Byrne. Yeah, in like well, the tiny little supporting role, and she's a huge star now. And yeah, well, Jack Thompson did, was in it. Did Rose Byrne appear in Phantom Menace? I couldn't I, tell. I, you. I can't remember. Jayla Guy definitely was. You've got um the guy who offers death sticks to yeah. Obi Wan in the bar. Yes, yeah. He used to be in, I believe, Neighbors okay. or Home and Away, maybe Neighbors. Uh the uh, what do you call it? Bounty hunter. Mm-hmm. That Obi Wan then pursues. Yes, and she turns out to be like a lizard. She was, I'm pretty sure she was in Heartbreak High. Okay, uh, you've obviously got Tamara Morrison as uh, Django Fett, but you yeah, know he's Kiwi New Zealander. Yeah, uh, said so Jack Thompson. Well, then when you make it to Episode Three, yeah. you've also got Joel Edgerton. In okay, there, uh, plays um, Uncle Uncle. Oh, I can't remember his name. Aunt Baru- Uncle Owen. Okay. He plays Uncle Owen uh, at the end of episode three. So, yeah, I, there are parts Actually, I of me that... I think Joel Edgerton might have been in this one. I he think he might have been was. in the scene with Jack Thompson. He may have been. Yeah. On Tatooine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Owen. Cause he, I was drawing a blank on the name. He, um, yeah, I, I forget that they were filmed in Australia yeah. as well. And then you see how many Aussie actors are in it and you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, so you're on to so you haven't seen episode three obviously not so yet. You've still no. got it to go yes. and then Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you've missed out on anything? Uh, from <laughs> skipping over Phantom Menace. No, like I said, I've seen it. All I remember mm. about Phantom Menace is there's a pod race. Watching episode <laughs> two. I mean, I know this movie was 12 years ago and technology's come a long way, but I was looking at some of the stuff and just going, man, this looks really kind of cartoony mm. in parts. Um, I don't know. I, I definitely didn't enjoy it as much as the first two that I watched. Mm. I, I'm i still kind of a bit like, not meh with the whole <laughs> thing, but just like I said last time, not meaning this in a negative way. It's just because these films are so ingrained into oh, everyone's absolutely. culture. I'm watching them and just going, yeah, okay, I know. I know. I, I already feel like I know it and I've never seen it. <laughs> so it's hard, it's hard to sort of judge it as if I... It's hard to judge it like I'm watching it for the first time, which I kind of am, because I already know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, there. I think, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this recently, but Emily and I have said, you know, I'd love to be able to blank my mind of memories that I've seen mm-hmm. recently and really enjoyed, 
so I can see them again. Yeah. Like Escape Plan with uh, Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger. I would love to watch that again, and I will, yeah. but I would love to watch it again for the first time. So I haven't seen because that. It's so cool. You need to see it. But back off Star Wars. Yes. Back off that. Back to news. Mm-hmm. Little teaser poster came out the other day. Bit of a slippery one, this one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the first poster for the planned Banana Man feature film. Yeah, the movie that has got no cast or anything attached to it has a teaser poster. No, and the poster is just like, it's a shot of the earth yeah. with a giant banana peel on it, which makes yeah. me almost think, is this going to be a CGI film and not live action? <sighs> I have to ask. Yeah, how do you feel about this getting a movie? Um, I'm uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I loved Banana Man because it's one of those. It was one of those cartoons where it was just like a short cartoon that they put on. Yeah, it's between one of those little five minute cartoons. I look at that and I go, "Where's my if, Super Ted well, film?" Well, okay, yeah, I would. <laughs> I was a super. I loved Super Ted as a kid more than Banana Man. But I look at that and it's just like uh, this is going to sound sort of a backhanded statement, I guess against. Come on, British, spit your words against out, British, man. Against British people, but I don't mean it to be that way. It's like, this was a little British cartoon mm. that's going to get made into this big movie. It's like, how have they not done Roger Ramjet? Do you think the health industry is behind it? Healthy eating? Could kids actually, eating bananas? Actually, that's not a bad idea. I didn't think of that. But I think uh, one of the when we posted on the Geekspeak page, uh, honorary sidekick Grace made the comment, <laughs> we've got this, yet we still don't have a Wonder Woman film. Yeah. So and it is kind of a sign of you know the superhero films like people keep saying oh we can't do Wonder Woman as a film we can't do Wonder Woman as a film you've got Rocket Raccoon yeah. in Guardians Lions. of the Galaxy and you've got a Banana Man feature film and yeah. you know Wonder Woman but well, like I Wonder said Woman I love the cartoon in, I'm looking forward to it yeah but just ju- judging by that poster it really seems like it could be more of a CGI film yeah but we'll a- again it's it's like the teaser poster, mm. isn't it? Yeah. It's so. more just to say that, hey, this is actually happening. <laughs> so, yeah, this, this is happening whether you like it or not. It should have actually said, like, it would have been really funny if it, you know, it was just had the, the globe with the banana and sort of, you know, like, this shit just got, or shit just got real or something. <laughs> Instead of it saying, like, shit just got peel or something like that. <laughs> but enough of Banana Man. Yes. I'm, I'm used to saying enough, enough of, of Batman, Batman, but enough of Banana Man. There was something you wanted to mention many, 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 many issues ago. Yes. You uh, you enlightened me on the world of young Bond. I did. As the Batman Bond expert of Geek Speak, you imbued your knowledge upon me. Yeah, there was a series of In all of the books. world of uh, young Bond books. Yeah, it was a series of books written in the early to mid-2000s yep. um, by Charlie Hickson. Yep. And they're obviously written for a younger audience, mm. uh, but like a lot of books that are written for teenagers, they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> they were really... Yeah, young really, adolescent books are cool. Yeah, adolescent fiction, I guess. It was really, really good. I, I stumbled across them by mistake, didn't even know they existed, mm. and read the entire series. My wife has read the entire series and just loved it. That was so good. And that, I've said a number of times, if I could buy the rights to any film franchise this would be the one I'd yeah. buy. And you mentioned that last issue when we were talking about uh, Kingsman, The Secret I did, Service. Because yeah. to me, it had a kind of young Bond mm. feel. Well, in the last week, uh, the new young Bond book, see, Charlie Higson had done his series. He kind of wrapped it all up. Yeah. And it got announced last year that young Bond was going to return. 
but Charlie Higson wasn't writing it. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see where this is going to go because I did like Higson's writing, but during the week they released the cover art and the title to the new Young Bond book, and Charlie Higson was actually there as sort of a symbolic handing over of the pen, or if you will, oh, to, to the new author. To Steve Cole, who is the new author. Cool. Um, so, yes, the new book, I did post it on the Geek Speak page the other night. It is called Shoot to Kill. and um, Very know, Bond-esque name. Yeah, it looks like it's going to have some sort of, I don't know, like feel of cinema yeah. to it. Uh, just from what I can tell from the title and, and the, the cover art, it, it looks really cool. I can't wait for it to come out. Like shoot to kill as in shoot a film. Could be. Mm. Could be. So you had your little moment. I you had your little... little... I did have a little moment. Um, yeah, this book's due in November oh, this cool. year as well. So early Christmas for Brendan. But speaking of your little moment. <laughs> yes. Last issue, you made a special announcement. I did. I'm you... heading to Supernova. Yep. This time in two weeks, actually, I will be there. Well, things would have got a little bit more interesting for you the other day. They did. Uh, when uh, another guest was announced. Yes, a Marvel cinematic guest. Mm. Or Marvel television guest, if you will. Ming-Na Wen from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Who Agent plays May herself. Agent May. Yeah. Uh, the Cavalry mm-hmm. is coming down to Sydney, Sydney and, and Perth. Perth. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> so again, like I mean, we've talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Arrow so much on oh, this God, podcast. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this has just been an Arrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> podcast at many times. And, you know, you've got big well, big names now from both TV shows. Because John Barrowman. From Arrow. Yes, Kate Cassidy from Arrow and yep. Manu Bennett from Arrow. Yep, because uh, yes. Manu pulled out a Gold Coast. We were going to catch did. up with him there. That bastard. And now you've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So you're mm. going to be in little geek heaven while you're I down will there. be. I don't know if I'll get a chance to even say hello, but... But I'll, girl, I'll, if you can, I'll do my best. Grab Don't you worry, I will do my best. We'll make I another will... Arrow and Agents of Shield sure centric podcast. So yeah, that's that's exciting news for anyone who's planning on heading to either the Perth or um, Sydney Supernovas. Mm. Mm. But last little bit of news yes. that uh, dropped the other day that has kind of left the fandom in a bit of an uproar. I, I think it's left them more in shock yeah. than anything. Uh, Edgar Wright yeah. is no longer directing. A, mo- a movie that he was associated with for eight years. He, hasn't it been? He was associated with... He was on for Ant-Man, doing the screenplay and everything. Before Iron Man existed. Which, you know, considering Ant-Man is going to be a Marvel Phase 3 film, mm-hmm. Iron Man was Phase 1. It was, what, would you call it the first? No, what, what Well, it did. It, it launched the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, yeah, because Incredible Hulk was after Iron Man, it was, wasn't it? because Robert Downey Jr. had the cameo yeah. at the end. So he has been attached to Ant-Man since I think it was, what, 2006? 2006, yeah. No longer directing. Eight years with one film. Apparently, uh, it's a mutual... Creative, mutual... Yeah, yeah. mutual separation because of creative differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're the, like a month away from starting filming too. Not only is the fan community up in a bit of a, you know, arms up in the air, but a yeah. lot of support from other directors mm-hmm. and uh, filmmakers. Like I saw a photo of Joss Whedon. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted or Instagrammed a photo looking quite sad holding a Cornetto. Because mm-hmm. as we all know, Edgar Wright, Cornetto the Cornetto trilogy. trilogy. So yeah, it's left a lot of people in shock. Yeah. That, it's now going to be handed over to someone else. Yeah. 
is this going to be the same Ant-Man film that, you know, what were those creative differences? Did they sit there and think, oh, we don't like the kind of way you're going with this? And he's like, well, you kind of need it to be this way. Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, I listened to um, Hollywood Babylon during the week, and mm. and Kevin Smith did say that uh, p- people don't really understand that how how contr- like how um, in- involved the Marvel people are with these movies. It's not like well, it is their characters. Yeah, it's it's not like I'm just going to throw this out there. It's not like say Nolan with mm. Batman, how Warner Brothers and DC were like, go and make your movie. Yeah, it's these people are there. The whole time they're in the room while you're writing the script, they have absolute control. You know, a director can't really come in, and I'm not saying they're limited, I guess, but they can't really come in and do if they want to do something slightly a bit off or something yep. that they want to do creatively. And if Marvel don't agree with it, it doesn't Ugh. happen. It doesn't happen. Well. We're up in arms about it. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to Edgar Wright. Yeah, I mean, I really directing. enjoyed Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. I, was looking to, I was looking forward to seeing his take on, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I could understand... It, and I was kind of expecting it would have a kind of comedic feel to it yeah, as well. Yeah, I mean, well. well, you've got Edgar Wright and then Paul Rudd. I mean, come on. Yeah. So, well, and that's the other thing. Like, with Paul Rudd still attached to it, mm-hmm. you know, how's his uh, portrayal going to differ if Edgar Wright's not directing. Yeah, and hopefully this won't affect the casting either. So we're in shock about it. Mm-hmm. The fandom's in shock about it. Some of the fandom are... Filmmakers um, are in shock about it. Some of the fandom are even um, raging about it. I'd say... Or ranting? I'd say some of the <laughs> fandom are definitely ranting about it. <laughs> so you know what I think it's time for? I think it's time for a segue. <laughs> I think it is! I think it's time for... Yes, Rosie has voiced his concerns over the leaving of Edgar Wright from Ant-Man. He has, and he's done it um, in a subtle manner like he always does. (laughs) Subtle like a Mack fucking truck. (laughs) So I think I'm just going to get straight into it. Hit me with it. That is such shit. Edgar Wright would have brought his amazingly different and off-centre movie-making skills to Ant-Man, but no. Marvel, being owned by the mouse now, only think of the dollars and anything slightly creative is cast aside just in case taking a chance on something new will be unsuccessful. Newsflash, Mickey! You've already got a huge following, so why not try something new? People will see it regardless. Joss Whedon wasn't even allowed to be himself with Avengers, for fuck's sake. You could tell his creativity was reeled in with that. Marvel, Disney, is all about feeding you the same shit over and over and telling you it's something new in all facets of their business. It's obvious in the slow decline of their comic quality, and I fear for the Star Wars franchise if this is their attitude to creativity. Whew. Do you take a breath after that? I do. <laughs> That's quite a rant. That is a rant. But he's got a point. He kind of like, does. Joss Whedon on Avengers, mm. you never, like, yes, there were Whedon-esque, you, you could see it come through in it, mm-hmm. but you notice it more in the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Which then, again, he passed over the reins to someone else. Yeah. But you never really saw Whedon come out in that film. No. And so... 
again, it makes me wonder, if Edgar Wright was staying on Ant-Man, how much of him would be reeled in after what you were just saying? Like, they are there all the time. Yeah. I, I, I just, actually, while you're reading it then, I, I was thinking about it, and I've, I've never really noticed it before. I guess, I mean, I know uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, I mean, the, the quality of that film, and I mean, it's been compared to the likes of The Dark Knight, like it's it's Marvel's Dark Knight and all that sort of stuff, mm. but I don't know, I, I do get the sense with a lot of these Marvel films, and maybe it's what they want, mm. is it, it doesn't really feel like they're directed by anyone different. No, they they kind of all blend into the same. But maybe that's just them keeping it in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So you can watch it and know that it fits yeah, in. We've never seen a series of films being made like this before where mm. it all is different films, different directors that all have to fit into the same story. I, I, I don't know. I can kind of see... Because that's how I see it. It's like you can watch Winter Soldier and mm. know immediately it fits into the rest of the universe because it still has that same feel. So, see, this is what's going to make Guardians very interesting because, like I've said to you, we've it said on this looks show, different. that post-credit sequence from Thor two, it has a completely different feel and aesthetic yep. to it. And that's the thing: like, is that is that coming from Marvel or is that James Gunn? Yeah. If it's James Gunn, what the hell did Edgar Wright want to do <laughs> that these guys have a problem? <laughs> I don't know. I can kind of see from a business point of view. I can see Marvel and what they're doing. I yep. can see that point. From the artist's point of view, mm. I can see why it would suck being limited to to doing that. But I guess at the stage now, I mean, I mean, with him being attached since 2006, that was before this Marvel machine got going and it was before it was bought out by Disney too. Yep. Um, I guess directors now coming in are kind of going to know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, really? like, whereas he's been on it for eight years. For so long. He was in it, yeah, like you said, before Disney, before mm. all of that. I guess the first time we really saw it, again, this is all just coming to me now that we're talking about it, look at Iron Man 1 compared to Iron Man 2. Oh, definitely. Where, you know, Favreau Favreau was really being dictated to what he had to put in this film, and it was weaker. Isn't that why he left too? I think so. I think that was another creative difference. It was, luckily, he stuck around for his character. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, it... Iron Man Two is still probably my least favorite film, and I'm in the pretty Marvel sure Cinematic Shane Universe. Black, you know, went to Favreau when he was doing Iron Man Three, yeah. or I don't know whether you'd call it advice or you know just a bit of input and mm. trying to still make it all tie in. Yeah, but Iron Man Three was definitely Shane Black's film. Well, it's, you know, with Favreau and Iron Man Three, because he was in it quite a lot for oh, that yeah. first maybe ten fifteen minutes, and I'm just kind of like. This has kind of got to be weird with him mm. being in it so much from the franchise that he started and he's not being creative. Mm. And then, you know, the I guess it's not a spoiler because it's been out for over a year. You know, it sort of got taken out. It's like, ah, oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't see him again till the end of the movie. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, enough of the news. Enough of all of that. Enough of what's been happening. Enough of ranting. We had mentioned last issue that we were going to be watching a few movies. And, and one of us did. So I... <laughs> Fuck you. I think it's time to get straight into... How many green booties? Yes, I did mention last issue that I wanted to do a double movie day. You did. Uh, Wanted to go see Godzilla and X-Men Days of Future Past. Oh, yes. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see Godzilla. Ah. But what I did see was X-Men Days of Future Past. So did I. And so did you. I did. So let's do a green booties review of it. Awesome. Because I do want to talk about this movie. Yeah, uh, you have been quite impressed with it. I did. I enjoyed it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, 
I loved it, but I'm going to say it was enjoyable. Yeah. It was nothing amazing. No. It didn't completely blow my mind. It had a few great moments, which yeah. unfortunately one of the biggest moments that I know the boys spoke about in the latest Geek Speak Live, mm-hmm. which I suppose I should throw up a spoiler warning. Yep. Spoilers! Yes, when uh, Magneto uh, lifts up the entire stadium. Yeah. And uh, surrounds the White House, put, puts up all the Sentinels on it and whatnot. I'd already seen that in the preview. Okay. So it kind of, that was an awesome kick-ass moment. It was. But I was expecting it. Yeah. So nothing completely mind-blowing. Had, uh, had some great moments in it. I, I Actually, I would argue there was one part that we hadn't seen in the trailers that was mind-blowing that stole the movie for me. Quicksilver. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that was, I, okay, yeah, I I'm with you. That yeah. was phenomenal. The way they did that. I will say this, though. It reminded me a lot of the way, because, again, we are going with Brian Singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the Nightcrawler scene from the start of oh, X-Men 2. Yeah. The flipping around the room, doing everything, and then everyone falling down at once. How good was it hearing that um, original X-Men theme, too? Yes. Back at the start of an X-Men Even just movie. the whole intro sequence, yeah. you straight away knew this is Brian Singer's yeah. film. I but back to the Quicksilver thing for a moment. It don't get me wrong with what I'm about to say here. I did love it. Mm. It was awesome. Yes. It was so well done. And you I'm know, not going to spoil what no, exactly happened. Whatever you kind of need to see it to believe it. Whatever Joss Whedon has planned for his Quicksilver character in, in yep. Avengers, he has his work cut out for him. Yes. But whilst watching that scene, as much as I was enjoying it, as the scene was going on, my heart sank. Why is that? Because you know, first and foremost, DC guy. I was watching oh. that and I was just going, this is what Warner Brothers should have done years ago with, with The Flash. The Flash is kind of universally known as the speedster. Yes. The, the, the comic character who can run really, if, really if fucking fast. If you go fast. up to anyone and say, who is the fastest superhero? Yeah. To f- somebody who may not even read comics, like, who's the superhero that's really fast? Yeah. The Flash. Yes. No one's ever going to sit there and say Quicksilver. No. And I just, for a moment, I was just like, this is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, this should have been done years ago. Yeah. See, I never thought that, but I can see what you mean. And now, it's, you know, with Justice anything League. Anything that comes up, like even in the Flash TV series, anything that is done similarly to that. Yeah. People are going to go, well, that was already done in X-Men. If if this movie was exactly the same movie, but terrible, mm. and that's... Okay, no, let me rephrase that. If this movie was terrible, and that scene was exactly the same, mm. it would that it would completely rescue the movie. Yes. <laughs> it, it is so well done. And, well, I know yeah, Wade props. actually posted a link uh, the other day of how they filmed it. Yeah. And this was before I saw the film, and I thought, you know what? I'm not going to watch that. I used to love watching the behind-the-scenes thing. Mm-hmm. But every time I see X-Men 2 now, when Wolverine jumps off the balcony, stabs a guy and throws him, <laughs> all I can re- see is the guide wires and the um, springboards. Yeah. Because I've watched the behind-the-scenes thing. I-, I stay away from that now. See, I love it. And it is such a great scene with Quicksilver in this film. I don't want to see how it was made because yeah. it is just perfect. It's really good. And I was really impressed with Evan Peters too, because I'd been wondering, you know, you've got Evan Peters playing Quicksilver in this, you've got Aaron Taylor-Johnson playing it in Age of Ultron. Is they... Aaron Taylor-Johnson? Yeah. Oh, kick-ass. Yes. <laughs> no, Who? <I> <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you did there. But Evan yeah. Peters was in the first kick-ass as well. 
Was he? He was his mate who was replaced in Kick-Ass 2. You know the one who dresses up as a hero as well but goes to the villains team? Yeah. And realize, he's like, oh, yeah, Kick-Ass is this guy. That was Evan Peters' character in the first film. Huh. But he didn't go um, come back for Kick-Ass 2. So you've got two people from the first Kick-Ass playing two different Quicksilvers. Wow, that's not at all confusing. I I was wondering how it was going to go because that first image of Quicksilver that I saw with the poster, the costume kind of looked yeah. a bit weird. Yeah. On screen, it looked awesome. Yeah. I loved it. And he played the... Very cocky. Quicksilver has a cockiness about him. Obviously, he's super fast. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. But he played it in a way that it wasn't adult cocky. It was no. juvenile yeah, cocky. He definitely. was the juvenile delinquent, and he played the character so well. It, and his scenes were probably the funniest in the movie. Wolverine was wasted. Yeah. I, I See, Wolverine... Wolverine is the focal point of all these movies. Yeah. But uh, compared to the comic Wolverine, he's still never really, really been Wolverine. The closest he's come was in The Wolverine. Yeah. In the director's cut version mm-hmm. of, especially the fight at the end in the snow. Yep. In the village. Mm-hmm. Watch the director's cut of that. It is Wolverine. Yep. It is, well, also the um, the chick who can kind of see the future. She's running over ninjas with a friggin' wood chipper. There is blood everywhere. Cool. That is the Wolverine I want. Wolverine yeah. is a psycho. In this movie, in he's, this, he he's was kind just of the, kind of... The glorified sort of tour guide. Yes. Really? Exactly. I had th- That was the term I was trying to think of. He's a tour guide. Because, I mean, it's he's the one that has to go back in time yep. and, and everything. And I again, from a business point of view, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the ladies who like Hugh Jackman are going to love this movie, particularly one scene. Yeah, once again. Full moon rising. <laughs> um <laughs> And and they fucking hang on that shot too yeah. Yeah, for a bit too long for my liking. But, you know, I mean, Hugh Jackman is good. He is good with the characterization that he has made for Wolverine. Yes, exactly. You know, um, one issue that I did have, and again, from a business point of view, I can understand why they did this. They really, really pushed that Jennifer Lawrence is in this movie. See, I never really saw that. She, her character was a focal point of the film. I I never thought Jennifer Lawrence was in it too much. X Men First Class. She was. She's pretty much Charles Xavier's adopted sister. Yeah. Slash best friend. There's the whole moment at the end of First Class where she leaves him for Magneto. You know that shit is going to come back. See, for me, they're going to develop that, and that was before she really took off. It wasn't so much that. It was more. See, I only watched First Class two weeks ago. Oh, for. Fuck's no, sake. I'd seen it before, oh, okay. but I rewatched it because oh, okay. I'd only seen it. I saw it when it first came out, and I rewatched it. And I, I remember sitting there looking at her, going, "She looks exactly the same as Rebecca Romaine mm. from the first three X Men movies." Well, they did get Rebecca Romaine in there. Yeah, they, well, they did for First Class. Mm. Yeah, and then I watched this one as she is full Mystique, you know, with the blue and yep. everything. And I kept looking at her. I'm going, they've backed off on her face prosthetics. Jennifer ah. Lawrence Jennifer Lawrence is really coming through instead of just sort of that you know, the real mystique yeah. face. And then of course I know the story called for it, but she was human a lot more in it. She mm-hmm. was taking on the human form. Again, that's Jennifer Lawrence. I don't know, again, from a they kind of did the same thing with Halle Berry in X-Men 2, because between X-Men and X-Men 2 Halle Berry became off. a big star, became Academy Award winner. And which is why X-Men 3 failed so badly is because she started demanding more screen time exactly. and it all went to shit. Same thing ha- Same thing they've done here is 
they had this they had this actress between films. She became a megastar mm-hmm. and won an Academy Award. I'm not criticizing the you know 20th Century Fox for for doing what they did. I can understand that. I, I just I really I noticed it. I, I never did. Uh, for one I know second, it's a I never noticed that you're a nitpicking bastard. <laughs> well, apart from her, mm-hmm. everyone else, you know, Fassbender was brilliant. He's fantastic. He's a great Magneto. Magneto. McAvoy, his whole personal struggles mm-hmm. as Charles Xavier in this, the whole story as to why he can walk, which I'd been fucking wondering, yeah. and why I'd seen Beast in human form. Yep. It, the it, payoff that he has with Wolverine, too, from. First class, how that comes back around. Oh, yes. I forgot about <laughs> yeah. that. Nice little throwback. You knew it was, you knew it was nice coming. You knew it was coming, and it got a massive laugh. Loved all the futuristic stuff. Blink was amazing. Yeah. Bishop rocked. Uh, Warpath seemed kind of a little wasted as Iceman. did Sunspot. Iceman finally fully iced, sliding around on his ice slides. Mm-hmm. I lost my shit. Yeah. I was really impressed by the futuristic Sentinels. Mm-hmm. I loved the look of the old ones, the yeah. the Mark ones. When I'd seen photos of the futuristic ones, I thought, eh. But seeing them come to life on screen, yeah, they were awesome. And so were their face. Their faces were very creepy. Yeah, and the they, way they opened up. And... Yeah, but even just their when their faces are closed, just their are uh, their just their look. Mm. They looked scary. Oh shit! Yeah. I really enjoyed this film. Mm. As I said, it wasn't mind-blowing. It wasn't spectacular. No. It was just really enjoyable. I I can't work out which I like better, this or X-Men First Class. I probably liked this better. This, you can definitely see, it was a Brian Singer film, but still had all its Matthew Vaughan elements. It's kind of a... Because he, he still did the screenplay. Yeah, it's kind of... I guess it's kind of a reboot within a franchise, which yeah. has never been done before. And... The way it ends has made me wonder, with the next film, mm-hmm. Apocalypse, who are they actually going to have in it? I think it's going to be focused on the younger cast. Because, Again. yeah, they've set it up in a way that they can continue on with the older cast if they want. Mm. But then, at the same time, it's like, but if you want to do the newer cast, yeah. you're going back again. Well, apparently but Apocalypse there is, a way... is set in the 80s. Oh, is it? Yeah. The way they have actually left it with Wolverine, where he's like, mm, you kind of need to fill me in, mm-hmm. maybe that is what it is. It's like, well, hey, by the way, this happened. It was a pretty huge thing. Yeah. I'll tell you all about it. Mm. And the post credit scene. <laughs> yeah. I lost my shit. Yeah. Seeing the way that something that has been debated for for fucking years and years about how these things were created... Seen the first mutant, yeah, and Sabarner with all everyone chanting and the four horsemen and that spoiler warning still up there, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, we knew it was going to lead directly into Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. They've got nothing else in the works that it could lead into. No, God, no. So the way they've left it was, it's up there in my favorite post-credit scenes. Yeah, because it's set it up so well, and that young boy who played Apocalypse with the blue skin and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the first mutant. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to be a young boy then. In the future, he's going to hopefully be the towering, unstoppable juggernaut of power. Yeah. That I love. Like, I am a huge X-Men fan. X-Men were the first comics I ever read. Cool. So, I I enjoyed it. As I said, it wasn't mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. 
X-Men Days of Future Past, I'd give a solid three and a half out of five. Okay. Okay. Uh, in sort of closing out for X-Men, for me, I, I walked out of there. It's the first X-Men movie that I've really, really enjoyed since X2. Yep. Um, in saying that, it, it was still, for me, I just kept going, it's an X-Men movie. Yeah. I I wouldn't say it's better than some of the other comic book movies that are coming out these days. I mean, like Captain America mm. and all that kind of stuff. It, it was a good X-Men movie, and it's it set them on the path where everything seems to be for the better again. I think, too, yeah, when you compare it with current superhero film or yeah. more recent superhero films, mm-hmm. it's not that kind of... It's not that level. No. It really is. If if he, if Brian Singer had made this as X Men Three, oh yeah, it would fit perfectly. Definitely, it's an X Men film that has that level, that superhero quality of film yeah. from ten years ago. And even though they erased a lot of the stuff that made this franchise so convoluted, which I've had a problem with for a long time, and we've spoken about it, yeah, it's still a convoluted franchise. <laughs> And it is a kind of a good thing, too, because yeah. they've pretty much scrapped X-Men 3 yeah. from existence. Thank God. Goodbye, Brett Ratner. So, I'm probably going to go with you. I'd Actually, you know what? I'm going to go three. Three out of five right. green booties. So, three and a half and a three. Yes. Cool. Well, another movie that you teased uh, last week. Yes. Uh, that I actually didn't get a chance to watch on my four-day <sighs> weekend. I did have to end up... I got called into work. Again, I'm just hearing a lot of excuses. <laughs> you got to watch... Uh, Jane Silent Bob's Super Groovy Cartoon Movie. I've been wanting to watch this. Jinkies. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? It was um, what you would expect from a cartoon movie about Jane Silent Bob. So is it those characters? Yeah. Because all I can think of is it's uh, like Clerks animated series. No, it's... Um... It's done. I don't know if you've ever seen any of the smod smodimations that no, they've done, like never the little animations them. to go along with some of the smodcast bits. Mm. Um, it's done in that style because it's done by the same guy who did those. Okay. Um, a lot of uh, voice cameos in there. Um, you might want to throw up a spoiler alert. Yeah, all right. Spoilers. Yeah, I'll throw. Um, there's you know Eliza Dushku. Oh, cool. is I mean, a lot of your Kevin Smith regulars yeah. come back as voices, like Ralph Garman voices um, <laughs> a character in that called Dickhead. Oh, um, it's it's a it's a superhero adventure kind of using Jay and Silent Bob as the characters. You're going to love the start of it because they keep saying how they need to become super. Well, Jay keeps saying of how they need he to does. become yeah, superheroes, yeah, yeah. and there's <laughs> so many setups where. It looks like they're going to be bitten by a radioactive spider, or oh. they're going to be dumped in chemicals, or there's even a, there's even a Ninja Turtles reference in there, oh. which you're going to piss yourself laughing at. <laughs> but the thing that I kept I kept thinking, starting to watch it, is you know Silent Bob, voiced by Kevin Smith. It's like, well, what? He never spoke. What the hell? How is Kevin Smith going to have a voice in this movie? It keeps stopping, and an animated Kevin Smith will kind of pop in and go like, hey, folks, and sort of like, you know, little disclaimers throughout the movie, and that's Kevin Smith as oh, Kevin Smith. Oh, because I was thinking it was going to be the usual Jay and Silent Bob thing where he doesn't speak the entire movie and then has his no. profound statement No, at the not end. at all. Like I said, it's what you would expect from a cartoon about Jay and Silent Bob. Gross-out humour, adult humour, stupid humour, um, and I loved it. I'm giving it four out of five. <laughs> cool. Well, like I said, I keep meaning to watch it. I might go do that when I get home. Yeah, check it out. And last movie that you got to see this week that I haven't. Another comedy, another stupid mm-hmm. movie, and this one's brand new. Yes. I only came you out a couple of days ago. You saw it the day it came out. I did. I went along with a mate of mine and I saw A Million Ways to Die in the West. Now, this has been one that I haven't... It looks cool. Yeah. 
I was going to wait for DVD. Okay. I don't, this isn't, as I said last issue, with all these films that are coming out that you need to see yeah. it on the big screen. Okay, look, this is a film that I can wait to watch it at home. Off the, off the bat, this isn't a big screen movie. Yes. But if you want to go to the movies for two hours, switch off and just laugh your ass off. Yep. Which sometimes I just feel like I want to do. Yeah. Go and see this movie. Because this is the one, it's got Seth MacFarlane in his first actual, I believe, sort of, feature role. Like, yeah, like he he's directed the lead Ted, character. but, you know, he voiced Ted. Yeah. This is him actually starring in it. Yeah, and I mean, there's been apparently some reviews, someone was telling me, where Seth MacFarlane is sort of a bit wooden and one-dimensional. And like I said to the person who told me, it's just like, he's Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. I mean, if you go into this movie expecting him to be something other than Seth, Mac- Seth MacFarlane, I mean, yes, he's playing a character, mm. but he's Seth MacFarlane. He's Seth MacFarlane playing Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed Ted. Yes. But I think I enjoyed this more, because this is somewhat more, it's more of a spoof film. Um, it's, it's also it's got Charlize Theron and... Charlize Theron, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, and Giovanni Ribisi. Yes. And Sarah Silverman. Yeah. They're actually, I of... saw a poster come out that had all their faces, yeah. like all the kind of characters they are. Uh, lots of cameos. Mm-hmm. Some big name cameos. Which you could expect with for. something from Seth MacFarlane, um, from all his work with Family Guy and American Dad, but especially Family Guy. Even some little cameos in there, like, again, Ralph Garman. Mm. Um, he pops up a few times in it, well, which I just he, loved. He appeared in Ted, didn't he? He plays Mark Wahlberg's dad, yeah. yeah. Um, this movie is... Seth MacFarlane taking the classic Western and lampooning it. Ah, nice. So that's, I loved it. It it cracked me up. And there I love is... a good Western, so I, I, I've never really seen the spoof Western yeah. as such. There's, I, I think this may even be this generation's Blazing Saddles. Oh, to a degree. From Blazing Saddles, yeah. yeah. But that's how many the, years ago now? Well, yeah, I think it was like late 70s, I want to yeah. say. There is, the, the trailer for this film, I was getting the impression that there was going to be a lot of sight gags. The, the, the trailer shows a lot of sight gags yes. and, and a lot of sort of violent... A million ways to yeah, die Yeah, a lot of violent West. sight gags in it. Mm. Is not that many. You kind of see those in the trailer. They've it's just the, piled dude, them all into the that. it's the dialogue. The dialogue in this film is piss funny. It's, Which I could expect from Seth MacFarlane. It's set very much in that time period, but the dialogue is kind of much more modern. Mm. Um, they say fuck a lot in this movie. <laughs> um, I really, so really... So they're not trying to be historically accurate. No. <laughs> I mean, there's some gross-out stuff in there, and it, it's but it's very intelligent, I thought, the way it's written. Um, Do, so... I don't need to see it at the cinema. You don't have to if you don't. There's nothing like but if I want to go special along, effects. Yeah. But like I said, if you just want to go into a movie and enjoy yourself, the boys on Geeks Pick Live always talk about, you know, just wanting to go in, switch off and watch a popcorn movie. Yes. This is that. Oh, cool. And it's hilarious. I'm giving this four and a half out of five. Four and a half? Yep. Damn, that's even like better I said, than I, I just enjoyed it. I actually want to go back and see it again. I want to take Jess to see it. Because we haven't been to a movie together for a long time, like I said, where we can just go in and laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have time for for the green booties. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that's all we have time for for this podcast. It is. It's getting to that time. We did want to talk about comics. Yes. You spoke last issue about you've been reading, you read the first the, trade yeah, of Guardians of, the Guardians of the Galaxy. I've got it. Mm-hmm. Haven't had a chance to read it yet. Nope. <laughs> Once again, listeners, we're waiting for Steve to play catch up. Not my fault. <laughs> so we will get in more comic reviews uh, next issue. I want to talk about a new comic that's issue two just recently came out called Translucid. Okay. From... Actually, we read. Did I? We talk about the first one. 
we haven't had a chance to speak about it. I got you to read the first one. Okay. Because it's an interesting take on the superhero, supervillain relationship mm-hmm. by Claudio Sanchez and Chandra Eckert. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claudio being the lead singer from your my favourite band, your favorite Coheed band? and Cambria. So yes, that and Guardians of the Galaxy. And a few more that I've read. I'll just throw a little oh, teaser throw a little there. tease. I've read, read a bit of small, How about, well, how about we make next issue very comic heavy? Let's do it's it. It's been a while since we've done just a lot of comics. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, until then, for all your geeky needs, head along to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash TV. And if you have any thoughts, opinions, or feedback, send us an email to geekspeakau at gmail.com. Until next issue, I have been your host, the geek of all trades, Steve Muller. And I've been Geek Speak's boy wonder, Brendan. Geek out!